you steal one of these tools? Thank you. Okay, you are all dismissed. Thanks for coming. Oh, I guess we have a few minutes left, don't we? <laughs> I will do my best to uh, get you out on time because we do have the ministry fair and uh, lots of other things for you to uh, check out and be involved in today. Uh, I do have to warn you, though, um, it's been a long time in anticipating being here with you this morning, so I have a lot of things that I want to say. Um, so I'm going to try and uh, withhold a little bit so you guys can at least you know, get on with the rest of your day. Uh, but it is so so exciting to be here. I can't help but uh, feel a little bit nervous, a little bit excited, a little bit uh, relieved. Uh, there's just so much emotion that goes into the, today for me and for Tammy, for Lucas, but it is just such a joy uh, to finally be with you. We want to thank you for your patience. I know it's been uh, a long time since we were here before, uh, and you guys have been uh, graciously patient and uh, willing to wait for us to go through the transition and the process of moving and uh, leaving our, our former community to enter into a new one, and uh, it has been uh, more challenging than we anticipated. Uh, all kinds of crazy things, not, nothing, you know, terrible. So in, in God's grace, we've been blessed through it all, but, you know, with our moving truck coming 10 days late, and uh, it shows up on the day when we're going to go on the all-church camping trip, so we basically threw all our stuff in the house, locked it up, and went camping for three days. So we didn't even start to unpack a box until like August 18th, uh, and so it just, it's been one thing after another that's just been a little bit crazy, but God has been with us through it all, and uh, we trust that God has been here uh, giving you patience and building your excitement as well. So it is good to finally be with you. I did hear uh, last week that uh, new job descriptions were announced for lead pastor and other staff. Um, so I want you to know I have been practicing this last week, walking on water. Um, and I want you to know that I, uh, at this point, have a 100% success rate. Uh, the challenge is I can't get it to last for more than like a split second. I just fall right through. Uh, but I, I do want to say thank you to, to Pastor Bill for uh, his amazing words last week and his message, uh, caring for our new pastor, saying all the things that I, I couldn't say. Um, what a gift, uh, and uh, it was just really cool to have somebody like Pastor Bill who has been uh, guiding the ship, you know, uh, leading you guys forward and preparing the way uh, for us to come in in such a smooth and uh, easy way. Uh, oh, by the way, I did uh, put in the proposal for your raise. Um, I'm working on the 50-yard line Seahawks tickets, but apparently it's easier to walk on water than it is to get <laughs> Seahawks tickets, so... Um, before I uh, launch in any further, though, I, I do want to seriously acknowledge that you guys have been led uh, by an amazing staff, uh, by some faithful people who have been uh, caring for this community for a long time before today, uh, and especially in the last couple years with Pastor Bill uh, faithfully guiding and leading. Uh, I just want to say that I, I couldn't do what I'm going to do here without the faithful work of those people, and I would just like to invite you guys to thank them again. I know you guys did some last week, but I don't think we can thank them enough. So, Bill, staff, thank you so much for all the work that you've done, the leadership. Ministry is never about one person. 
Uh, it's really about team and really community, Christian community is about teaming together as community. And so I'm excited that uh, Pastor Bill is going to stay and uh, Donna is going to be with him and we're going to get to work even more closely together. What a huge gift to me to be able to have uh, a seasoned pastor to walk with and to be guided by and to be mentored by, uh, and especially one who, you know, babysat me when I was a kid. Uh, he can <laughs> babysit me again. So it, it is uh, exciting and fun. So I am I'm thrilled. Uh, it is one of the things that, that Bill did mention in his message last week is, is that the, some of the things he talked about in terms of caring for uh, a new pastor or a pastor's family really is true of uh, Christian community and what it means to really care for one another. Uh, if you weren't here last week and, and you didn't get a chance to hear the message, uh, you can go back and listen to it on the website. It is a great uh, explanation of what it means to, to think about how we weave our lives together in community. And it, it's true that many pastors and pastors' families, uh, they move away from uh, their own genetic kind of extended family, and churches become extended family for them. Uh, and so for Tammy and I and for Lucas, uh, we are excited that you guys are going to be able to be uh, friends and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas to, to our son and, and friends to us. And our experience of being in church has been such a blessing to have those kinds of relationships. And, and, and that's uh, especially important for us because we, are, we don't have any real close uh, family ties here in the area, and so we're excited to uh, be able to build those relationships here. But next week for the installation Sunday, uh, my parents are actually flying up from San Diego, and so we're really excited to have them come and be with us. Uh, for those of you who don't really know my parents, which there's not a lot of reason you should, but <laughs> my father is... is probably the most avid fisherman I've ever known. I mean, he is, you know, just addicted to fishing, and he loves to fish, and uh, as a kid growing up, he would take me fishing with him, and I can still remember, you know, being woken up at, I don't know, oh, dark 30 before the sun came up, and getting out of bed, and, and getting all the, the food, and the snacks, and the cooler, and loading it all in the car, and then driving out to the lake, and launching the boat before the sun came up, so we could get out to the spot where the fish were biting. And then spending all day on the lake and going, when is this going to be over? <laughs> but over the years, we had a chance to fish for all different kinds of fish, uh, from bass to crappie and trout and uh, walleye and northern pike, and just a lot of wonderful memories of being on the boat with my dad and, and having him teach me how to fish. And so it's going to be exciting for him to, to come. But as you know, fishermen like to tell fish stories, and uh, I do have a fish story from uh, some fishing time with my dad. There was one day we went out to the uh, reservoir called Don Pedro. Lake Don Pedro is near uh, Modesto in the Central Valley of California. We went out there to go fishing, and there was just this one day where, you know, all the stars aligned, the magic was on, and we're sitting in the boat, and I'm, uh, I've got my rod and my reel, and, and, and we're fishing for crappie, and, and all of a sudden I, I get a bite. And I really didn't. I catch a fish, and so I wasn't quite old enough to, you know, take the thing off the hook. So my dad would reach over and take it off the hook, and go, great job, Kurt. You know, so I put mine back in, and he puts his back in, and pretty soon I've got another fish, and I reel it in. He takes it off. Well, this kind of keeps going for a while, and my dad's not catching anything. So he's going, okay, what is going on here? So he's looking at my lure, and he goes, I'm going to try a lure that looks like your lure. So he changes his to one that looks like mine, and sure enough, we both start catching fish. 
So he's pulling him in, and I'm pulling him in, and he can't really get his lure in the water long enough because I'm catching so many fish. By the end of the day, I kid you not, we caught 40 crappie. We came home with a net just stuffed full of fish. And one of the things that we learned is that you have to have the right lure. Because as the day went on, we started snagging our lures and the line would break. And so we'd look for another one that looked kind of like that one. And pretty soon we started running out of the lures that looked like the one that they were biting on. And when the lures ran out, the fishing ended. And the fish were biting on that lure that day and they weren't biting on anything else. So when you go fishing, you got to have the right lure. Now you're probably wondering about right now what all this has to do with the Bible and is this even a sermon or <laughs> what are we doing here? But, but you have to understand that you know, Jesus knew a few fishermen too. He called them to be his followers and his disciples. And he uh, could not only walk on water, but apparently he knew a thing or two about fishing as well. In fact, if we're willing to understand a little about, bit about fishing, I think Jesus suggests we might learn a thing or two about the kingdom of God as well and about what it means to be his followers. Jesus was a master storyteller. He told stories uh, from everyday life and related the kingdom of God to all different kinds of things to help people kind of get a sense of, of what it meant that he was calling them into this new reality, this new experience of life, this new relationship with God that he called the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 13, where I'd like to begin today in Scripture, Jesus is going about his ministry, and he is uh, teaching the people. And it says in chapter 13, at the very beginning, that uh, one day that Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. And such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore, and then he told them many things in parables. Now we know, for those of you who are familiar with Jesus' life and teaching, that he told a lot of these parables to people in his teaching. And in this chapter, he starts going through a variety of different stories, many of which we are probably fairly familiar with, if you are familiar with uh, the scriptures, but he talks about the parable of the sower and the seeds, the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the mustard seed and the yeast, uh, the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. There's a lot of these stories that we've heard from childhood, but there's, there's one little parable that's kind of tucked in here that for me, I had never really heard much about. But he, you get to verse 47, and Jesus kind of says very quickly, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. Then he goes on with one of those more kind of cryptic parts of his stories where this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But you see, Jesus is, is trying to get his disciples to, to think about what he's trying to get them to understand in their context. These are fishermen. These are people who know what fishing is like. They know the ins and outs of getting out in a boat and staying in the boat all day or all night, hoping to get that, that big catch, get, get that next uh, uh, meal on your table. Because they, these guys weren't just doing it for sport. These guys were doing it for a living. This was their job. This is what they did to try and make ends meet. 
And so here Jesus comes and he tries to put the kingdom of God into their context, into language that they could understand. Uh, you think, think about these guys that Jesus first called, these early disciples. I'll, I'll bet they had some stories to tell, right? I mean, they were fishermen after all. But you see, when God's story comes and intersects with our story, God's story weaves in new meaning and new understanding in ways that maybe we hadn't anticipated. Maybe we didn't fully understand at first. And opens our eyes to a whole new horizon of what God might be calling us to be and to do on the road ahead. In Matthew 4, in verse 17, early, or when he talks about call, when he first calls his disciples... It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. You see, Jesus calls these fishermen to be his disciples, to be his followers, to to walk with him, to, to enter into life with him, to journey with him, and to learn from him. And each of them had their own stories, they had their own experiences, they had their own families, they had their own journeys that they had been walking, and they had their own expectations and assumptions about what they were going to be in life, and what they were going to do, and and how they were going to provide for their families, and and what their kids were going to be when they grew up. And yet Jesus comes, and and he calls these fishermen to follow him, and and he gives them this, this, this expanded horizon. He says, yes, you are fishermen, but come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You're still going to fish, but I'm going to just blow your mind in what that means and I'm going to expand your horizons to what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and what fishing is really all about. Talk about a paradigm shift. And it says, the story tells us they, they dropped their nets and they left and they followed him. But you see, we have to understand that their concept of fishing was probably very different than how we probably tend to think about it today. You know, when we go fishing, and in my own story as an example, we often grab our rod and our reel, and we grab our lures and our tackle box, and we go out to the lake or the river, and we we cast out into the water, and we try and find that, just that right lure that's going to attract the fish, and we're going to hook them, and we're going to reel them in. That's most often the kind of fishing that we do, but But these guys, they they didn't use rods and reels. It says they used nets, kind of like the nets that we have here. They, they, They had these nets that they would use, and some of them they would use from a boat, and some of them they would do from shore. But they would take these nets, and they would throw them out into the water. And they would have lines on them that they, when they would go out, they would throw in the water and they'd pull it tight and it would catch the fish and they'd haul a whole bunch of fish at one time into a net. And so they had these, these woven things and they had to care for them and they had to tend them. They would get tears in them and, and rips and they had to sew them and fix them because if you got a little hole, well, you could catch a whole group of fish and they'd all slip out through the one hole. But you see, too often I, I, I think that we in our modern thinking, in our age of technology, and, and the way that we think about life often misapply our understanding of fishing to how we do church today. I think often we think if we can just get the right lure that's going to attract people out there in the world to, to come into church, then, then our church is going to grow. If we can just get the right bait that, that's going to hook people and we're going we're to sink our hooks into them, we're going to pull them into the kingdom of God, then, then that's how we're going to do ministry. 
But I, I, I would like to suggest that, that I think that thinking is, is wrong-headed thinking, and it gets us off track from the very first step. And so this morning, what I'd like to suggest is that when we think about being church together, and we think about God's call on our life to be a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like a net that was lowered down into the lake. And as the net was, was pulled through the waters of the lake, it caught all kinds of fish. What do you think the net that God wants to use to fish for people might really be? I'd like to suggest that it's our relationships in community. God says we are the family of God. As we come to him, as we've celebrated in communion this morning, we are woven together into community in a way that we become family with one another. That's why Bill's message last week, I think, was so powerful because it's not only special that you guys are are willing to receive our family into your family, but that we can be family together. And, And I think we need to understand that we live in a world and in a culture where people are hungry and starving for family. We, we live in a culture in America where we don't really understand what family is anymore. Or if we, if we have family, family isn't necessarily a positive thing in people's minds, is it? Okay, we are the family of God. We're going to be family together. Well, whose family are we going to be like? Your family? My family? A lot of people don't have all that great of experience of family and say, oh, we're going to be family together. doesn't always sound the most attractive to them. And, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who've been to a lot of churches whose experience of that church has been anything but family, unless it's an extremely dysfunctional and even abusive family. And there's a lot of people out there in the culture today who who aren't necessarily anti-Jesus or anti-Christianity. They're just anti-church because they've been beat up and chewed up and they've been spit out. And if we're not understanding that God's invitation to us, as God calls us to be his disciples, is to be a net of relationship and a net of community that that captures people in a way that that they're they're hungry for and they're needing. It's it's the net that is is sticky and it it attracts them and, and catches them because of the goodness of it and the joy of it. And if we miss that and we go on to thinking that, gosh, if we just have the right program, that's going to attract students into our youth ministry. If we just have the right small group that's going to get younger families to want to come to the church, if we just have the, 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 the best VBS that, that has the, the biggest draw from the community, that's going to expand the kingdom of God. We're, we're, we're putting the cart before the horse. We're putting our trust in a lure or a program or a hook rather than in what God is wanting us to offer to people, which is genuine relationship that cares about who they are, cares about where they are, is willing to come alongside them and walk with them through the ups and the downs of life, the difficulties and the trials and the challenges. But if we're spending all of our time doing ministry for God, that we don't have any time for relationship with people, then we can be saying one thing but doing another without even realizing it. We can spend all of our time working for God, all the while missing the Spirit of God inviting us to be a net that He wants to throw out into the community of the world and to draw all kinds of men and women and kids into the kingdom of God. 
Now, when we do that, of course, programs are important, and our strategies and our planning and all those things can become useful, but those are the tools, not the purpose or the focus. And we have to start with the right foot forward. Being a church isn't about trying to lure people into a building or into a program or into a class or a group. or It's not even trying to lure them into a religion. It's about discovering and living out a brand new lifestyle within the kingdom of God that Jesus, our master, invites us to walk and experience as we follow him. See, the Bible tells us that God intends us to weave our lives together as family. So that as we become woven together and we experience the goodness of what healthy family really is like, then we have something to invite other people into. Then we have lives and homes and relationships to share with people. And not just, hey, why don't you come to Sunday morning and show up for worship, and then maybe they'll get connected and maybe they won't. Being the church is about accepting and helping and loving people where they're at in their day-to-day lives. We are the net. We are the family of God. And when we genuinely pursue, pursue others in our lives like family, God will weave us together in ways that are, are so countercultural and so attractive that people will, will flock to want to be a part of what we're experiencing. I promise you. When Tammy and I were in Pasadena, before we were married, we had both moved out from Phoenix to go to school uh, in Southern California. And uh, in that season of life, in our early to mid-20s, it was really kind of the first time that we had both moved away from our, our families of origin, and, and unexpectedly it ushered in one of the most difficult seasons of life for both her and for I, her and for I together individually, and we're just dating at the time, and, and in many ways our lives just began to fall apart. And we were away from family. We didn't have close ties with, with, with my family or her family because they were across the country. And, and in many ways, we began to feel ourselves isolated in a new city, in a new town, in a different culture. And we didn't know what to do and we didn't know where to go. And what we found is over time, God brought people into our lives that became like family to us. These are people who didn't care what we were going through. They didn't care where we'd been. They didn't care what we were struggling with. They said, we care about you. We love you. We're here with you, and we want to walk with you. And through that time, we discovered that family is a lot more than just genetics, and that in God's wisdom, if we see each other as family, we can experience the goodness of what family is supposed to be within the family of God. And to this day, we have, uh, uh, Lucas has aunts and uncles that aren't genetic aunts and uncles, but we call them aunt and uncle. We, we have grandparents that, that aren't biological grandparents that, that came alongside us back in that day, and they, they took us under their wing, and they had us over to their house for dinner. Uh, uh, we had one couple who would invite us to, to go for these day trips, and we'd, we'd hop, they had this giant Cadillac with this, these big leather, you know, cushy seats in the back, and, and they'd pop us into the back of their Cadillac, and we'd take off down the road, and we'd go to Solvang or, or these other trips, and we'd just hang out, and they'd say, how are you doing? What do, what do you need? How can we pray for you? It's not like they, they did anything other than just open their lives and invite us to, to walk together. And what a huge gift. What a blessing to us that we had family that came around us and helped us through one of the most difficult times in our lives. And so now today, we're always looking to say, who, who can we be family to? 
Because it doesn't matter if they're young or old or our age. Family is family. And we have the gift of God's love that we can share in that way. True family happens when God blesses us with the gift of other people in our lives who accept us, who care for us, and who treat us as if we belong to them. Many of us experience pretty tough family situations, though, and so sometimes it's hard to know how to even be that kind of family. We have a hard enough time being family together with those we, we live with sometimes. How do, we, how do we try and step out and be family with other people in ways that, that we're talking about? Well, I, I'd just like to su- suggest three things. The first step is to recognize that we all need those kinds of relationships in our lives. And again, it doesn't matter if you're 6, 16, 36, or 65, or 86. We all need those kinds of relationships. And if you're sitting here this morning, if you're new here this morning checking things out, and you don't have that kind of spiritual family in your life, even if it's just one or two or three people that, that, that are tighter than a brother, or that are closer than a sister, or, or who care about you as a, as a spiritual mom or as a spiritual dad, you will not survive long in the Christian life without that network of relationships around you. And so maybe that's why God has you here this morning, is because this might be a place where you can begin to find that one person, and then that second person, and that third person, as God begins to weave us together into the net of community that he's called all of us to be. We need those relationships in our lives. So the first step is, is to find them for yourself. And sometimes the hardest part about that is just being willing to, to be honest and say, you know what, I, I, I need somebody in my life. I'm not okay, and I need somebody to come alongside. And that's what we're here for. And you can talk to me, you can talk to Pastor Bill, you can talk to Donna, you can talk to Tammy, you can talk to anybody you meet here at church. Say, you know, if you just kind of open the door a little bit to let us know that you might have a need, then our job is to come alongside and say, hey, how can we help? We're here to do that with and for one another. The second thing I'd like to suggest after we recognize that we've got to get those relationships around us is that if you think about family and when family begins, when does family really start? Well, you you grow up, you date, you get married, and then and then move on. <laughs> Preach it, James. Preach it. Yeah, move on to kids, right? <laughs> Family really begins with kids. You, you can be a couple, and yeah, that, that's family, but when you, when you have a child, now the two turn their attention away from maybe their more selfish-focused, uh, you know, things that we did as young adults, and we start to say, you know what, our lives are really about serving this younger person that we need to help care for and nurture and, and raise up to be a healthy, whole person. And if you don't have a person in your life that is really more like somebody that you are spiritually parenting, then, then you're not fully experiencing family. See, once we've experienced those relationships, we have to, to turn around and find who's further back on the journey or who, who else is somebody who needs care and love that I can mentor. I mean, we have all kinds of names in the church that we use for this, right? Discipleship, mentoring. Uh, even today, we might call it life coaching. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can talk about helping relationships. But the point is that God calls us to be like spiritual parents to one another. There's gotta be somebody who needs your care, your attention, that you can offer 
some time and some attention to. And again, it might not be that you have to have a PhD in counseling and, you know, Christianity and theology. Maybe you have a big Cadillac with cushy seats and you can throw them in the back. Preach it, brother. Preach it. And you say, hey, we're going to go into the city for a day. You want to come along? We're going to go to the Olympic Peninsula and we're going to hang out in nature. Do you want to come? Hey, there's something we always want to do. Why don't you join us? It's really not all that complicated because you know what? When we open our lives to people in that way, what we often call hospitality, when we open our lives to people in that way, the Holy Spirit shows up and He does all the work. Do you realize that? Ministry isn't something that we have to be experts at or that we have to work hard at doing. We just have to be available We just have to show up and then God comes in and he empowers every moment and every situation and every conversation with his Holy Spirit and he does amazing things and and, and people's lives get changed. People's hearts get touched and and they recognize that it wasn't us, it was God working through us and he gets the praise and he gets the glory and people start testifying that God showed up in their lives because we simply opened our hearts and opened our cars and opened our living rooms to them. I can tell you, men and women, there is no program that will do that. There's no communication tool that we can use that will do that. There's no adult Sunday school class that's going to achieve that. And if we don't understand from the get-go here that God is not calling us to do church, but God is calling us to be the church first, then we're we're, going to be off track from the beginning. And so as we move forward into this new season of life together, as we begin to think about how do do we weave ourselves together as family, as Tammy and Lucas and I come, and you guys think about how do you care for us as as a new pastor's family in your midst, I just want to say thank God that you guys are willing to do that, and thank God for Pastor Bill who can put the focus in the right place because, because that's what's needed. We need that. But so do you, and so does everybody else out there. And so as we get good at being family together and we learn what healthy family means and we hold each other accountable, right? We have to hold each other accountable to being healthy together. We can't put up with all of this dysfunctional stuff that we all bring with us. I mean, we've all got it and we all bring it, but that's why we need each other to go, you know what? (laughs) We got to work on that one. (laughs) And we do that as well. That's part of being family, right? Family's not easy. Family's hard work but we do it because it's worth it and because we know we need it. And, and the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so, so one man sharpens another, so one person sharpens another. We, we rub off on each other and all of our rough edges get smoothed away and we become a beautiful, wonderful creation in God's eyes. And that's the, the last step really is, thirdly, after we get those relationships in our own lives, as we open ourselves to one or two other people that we're willing to become a spiritual parent to, is then we have to go public with it, ladies and gentlemen. We want to throw the net out into the community, and we want to invite everyone else to experience the same lifestyle that we are experiencing together. We're not going to invite them to come to church on Sunday morning only. Yes, we will invite them to come to church, but that's the second piece. The first piece is to invite them into our lives. And then when they come to church, they're not coming to a building. They're coming to community because they're all 
ready caught. Amen? At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he died. He was thrown in a grave. And he disappeared from view. And those fishermen got all scared and upset. And they went through this season of transition. You ever been through a transition? And in this transition, and they didn't know what was coming, they didn't know what God was doing, they got afraid, and so they went back to what they were familiar with. They went back to what was comfortable. They went back to their boats and to their nets and to the fishing. And in John 21, it says that they're out on the boat, and they'd been out all night trying to catch fish, and they hadn't caught a thing. And some guy shows up on the shore in the early morning, and he's calling out to them, and he says, Hey, you guys, how you doing? You caught anything? And they're like, No. Try your nets on the other side. What do you think their reaction was? Yeah, right. But, you know, what else are you going to do at that point? All right, well, let's try it. So they throw the nets on the other side, and before you know it, they are so full. They can't even pull the nets into the boat. I can imagine, you know, like Peter hanging off the side, just get the boat to the shore and we'll drag it onto the ground, right? And they get it to the shore and they pull the the fish up and they realize, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And this haul of fish was this miraculous gift from the Messiah who is now alive. Because he is the storm king. He has the power over the wind and the waves and the vagaries of culture and the the threats of the world. Because Jesus is alive, we don't have to be afraid of, of stepping out into ministry in the world, of casting our nets wide. We don't have to worry about the messiness of cleaning the fish because all we gotta do is haul it ashore and then Jesus cleans the fish and he throws it on the skillet and he cooks some breakfast over the fire. I believe that if we will listen to the voice of God in this season, that he is wanting to weave us into a net of community that not only strengthens community among ourselves, but strengthens the community out there, he will throw us as far and as wide as we're willing to be thrown. And the miraculous haul of fish that we are going to see will blow your minds. You guys ready for something like that? Praise God, I'm excited because it can happen. And I think it's gonna. But we have to remember, we are the net. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that you are so faithful and loving in your invitation to invite us into your family. For those of us who have walked with you and and been with you for many years and even been a part of this church for many years, we can testify how how you bring people into our lives to, to be spiritual parents and friends and grandparents to us. Those people who have been essential in our own growth and development. And even now, God, I pray that you will allow us to to recognize our need for more of those people in our lives. Would you allow us who have experienced it to be willing to to have eyes of faith to see those that you would call us to turn around and give that gift to who are here in this place, who are a part of Faith Covenant Church. And then ultimately, God, would you allow us to turn that experience of community outward 
and throw the net wide as we find those people that you will lead us to through your spirit, whether it's in the grocery store, in the workplace, or as we go to the high school football game, or wherever it is, God, that you lead us into to contact with people. Would you make us sticky people and make us a net that will be so attractive that people can't help but be drawn into your kingdom and into relationship with your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.